Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Janine Between the Lines, Literature and Lifestyle for Leisure. I know it's been a while. It's been a while, but I'm bringing it back, taking it back down to my roots. And today's episode is going to be all about some triggering chats with Dorian Gray. Today's episode is going to be all about The Picture of Dorian Gray by Oscar Wilde. I've had this one bookmarked for a while, so... Again, if you're new here, welcome, hello. You don't have to be a fervid reader or a read-along person with my podcast to be able to get triggered by all these chats we're about to have. So thank you, thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy. Yeah! feel like I haven't recorded in so long. I'm not even used to hearing my own voice anymore. And uh, that's just sad because I missed it. I missed you guys. How How is everyone? I keep telling myself I'm going to start the podcast going straight into my topic and maybe in the future I'll put in quips and unrelated topics at the end. But just a tiny update. Works good. I've been on my my shiz lately. Uh, it's been keeping me busy. I haven't been able to devote a lot of time to reading. But, you know, now that I'm getting into the groove of things, um, it's just taken a lot of prioritization. And <laughs> like Kylie Jenner, it was just a year to kind of find myself. But technically, it yeah, I'm still in that process in terms of how I need to budget out and a lot what's important to me. Because I got a lot of things going on. I'm a scatterbrained individual, individual, and I have a tendency to spread myself thin. So between getting myself settled here, which it's amazing, I love Nashville, and juggling work and my health and fitness and my involvement in outside um, kind of communities and um, associations. How could I, you know, I can't forget why I started this, you know? So it, it took me a little bit to get back in the group, but I'm confident. I'm confidant and wonderfully ready to get back into the swing of things. Thank you guys for sticking around. I'm very grateful for anybody that's been a listener who's listening now or even any of you in the future that are going to listen. Makes me really happy. And even if nobody was listening, guess what? I'd still be doing this because isn't that what life is about? So, Dorian Gray. Dorian, the picture of Dorian Gray. Okay, a little backstory says I for the 547th time. The reason why I picked up this book, so I don't know if you guys remember, I had like a uh, something of a out-of-body existential experience when I experienced Second and Charles for the first time. And one of those books that I picked up was Dracula and Dracula's Guest by Bram Stoker and The Picture of Dorian Gray because my brother... 
him and I were extremely obsessed with the show Penny Dreadful on Netflix. Please. We heard news that it's coming back. So we we loved... There's just so many layers to that show. Like, you think you're just getting one thing about, like, werewolves and stuff, but no, they add vampires, and that's not all. Guess what? Frankenstein's in there. And then they add, like, you know, just a bunch of... You wouldn't think that a show could mix up all these different, like, scary historical entities, but they did it beautifully, and I'm extremely sad that they canceled it. And Dorian Gray was one of the characters, and I have to say, applauds to... Who produced this book? It's, it's a Wordsworth edition, but I'm I'm really happy with how well it goes both ways dorian gray in the netflix series penny dreadful the um character the actor that plays him i should do more research and look up his name but i think that he was a perfect fit for that role he embodies what this book tries to translate or tries to like get across he he's a perfect character for it and it doesn't that doesn't happen a lot with me. Remember I told you guys I'm a book snob like I get upset if the message in my head that I read from a book does not match the character on the screen, which is why I I don't like to watch movies like movie adaptations of books. I was broken with Twilight. I was really broken. Like Edward, come on. I'm going to get mad hate for that. But it happens when you love a book that much. But again, first of all, applauds to, I guess, the casting crew for picking him. Because it was amazing. And also, this uh, <laughs> this guy on the cover, he's strikingly handsome. And the photo is strikingly terrifying. Um... The cover really caught me, and I was more than stoked to have been able to pick this used book up for $4.99. How amazing is that? So, I don't know, out of my listeners, well, one, I didn't announce that this would be the next book I was reading because I am an organizational hellhole right now, but... To give you guys a brief kind of uh, history that I gleaned from this um, foreword that the author wrote, or the one that he made the introduction. His name is John M. L. Drew. And I was excited to read it because of the foreword. Like, the foreword got me hyped, and I never read the forewords of books. I'm like, ah, it's just another author telling you what he thinks about it, you know? That's disrespectful of me, of, of, you know, me calling myself a freaking reader. But, as you can see, I'm trying to correct myself. Anyways, so Oscar Wilde, as an author, he was pretty controversial. So, when this book came out, According to, well, it's not according to, this literally actually happened. 
So in the 1800s, he wrote this book, and it pretty much was Oscar Wilde's perspective on, like, how messed up society was at this time. And all of his comments towards, you know, how the wealthy are corrupt, um, homosexuality, which was pretty much, you might as well, you know, just die rather than be homosexual at that time. Um, things that, when I think of the 1800s, I think of prim and proper women that stay home are told to be polite and then you think of men like go to work and those very nice suits and all those kinds of things you know (laughs) that is such a specific 1800s reference I don't know how I pull it out of me that's what she said and um, just flipping through, it's just talking about how dissatisfied that Wilde was in his, um, in society, just in general. So when he published this book, there was pretty much a nationwide outcry of what the fuck? Like, look at this crazy guy just challenging everything that we know. And nobody liked it. Some of the things that he wrote in this book were um, extremely offensive to a vast body of people that he was pretty much investigated and arrested and served time in jail for the things that he was saying. And that made me extremely interested. Um... Apparently, a lot of his accusers were, um, they were, you know, upper class, high society individuals, and they tried to have him killed. Um, But, you know, in the preface of his book, he says that there is no such thing as a moral or an immoral book. It's kind of just how you interpret it, which is what this podcast is about today so upon reading it I needless to say here I go with my cliche terms needless to say I was shooketh I was I was super shook guys I didn't expect to be this shook over this book I finished it in one day just letting you guys know That's very common for me, though, so I shouldn't, like, hype myself up about that. But I couldn't, I I didn't sleep the whole night because I was reading it, and dually, yes, I loved it, but then I had an extremely terrifying nightmare about my brother, which we won't get into because I have the most morbid dreams known to man. Um, I give this book a 10 out of 10. And the reason why I wanted to do this kind of um, topic for this podcast was even in our culture right now, a lot of these things are 
it it seems perverse and it seems um against the grain if somebody if a significant writer published this book at this time now i think it would be the same outrage and people would be trying i you know you can't freaking ban someone anymore for writing how they feel you know there's there's not a lot of um not a lot that's filtered out these days unless there is and i'm just a skewed mind but i like how i love it when old school books like these challenge my thoughts and make me and force me to rationalize and see the author's side to the story which i couldn't have said that before if you would have given me a difficult book to read in I don't know, say sixth grade or something. I'd be like, no, this isn't a story that's like where you have to read and reread and just. I want. I love. I lo- I still loved books at that time, but I I was a simple and sweet kind of gal. Easy storylines, nothing that made me think too hard, just things that would make me dream, nice daydreams, and kind of paint a nice little movie in my head those were the kinds of books I like but in the picture of Dorian Gray I pulled a few quotes that made that were extremely thought-provoking to me and I want to hear um I just want to talk about them a little bit and also I want to hear you guys's opinion so I called it a little agree or disagree um segment So I'm going to read a quote and talk on it, and I want to know what you guys think about what he's saying. So let's get started with chapter one. I'll give you guys a brief kind of background behind the quote and what's happening. So this happened in chapter one. Um, There's a man here named Basil, Basil, and he's the person that painted the actual piece the picture of Dorian Gray, who is in love with Dorian Gray. Um, The other character in this party is Lord Henry, who was pretty much the culprit of all the controversial sayings and beliefs and all of that things. And they're talking about um, the difference between genius and beauty. And one of the first things, in terms of the photo... Lord Henry is trying to convince Basil that just the beauty and infatuation that he's finding with Dorian Gray and the picture that he's obsessing over, it's not going to last. So he says, but there is no doubt that genius lasts longer than beauty. Um, That accounts for the fact that we all take such pains to overeducate ourselves. In the wild struggle for existence, we want to have something that endures. So we fill our minds with rubbish and facts in the silly hope of keeping our place. The thoroughly well-informed man, that is the modern ideal. And then he goes on to say, Someday you will look at your friend, and he will seem to you to be a little out of drawing, or you won't like his tone of color or something. You will bitterly reproach him in your heart and seriously think that he has behaved very badly to you. The next time he calls, you will be perfectly cold or indifferent. And then he goes on 
What you have told me is quite a romance, a romance of art, one might call it. And the worst of having a romance of any kind is that it leaves one so unromantic. And I was like, huh. I think that's a pretty mild one to start off on. And I I slap an A on that. I agree with that. Um, I think you learn at an early age. <laughs> I don't know, because... You know, everyone likes the very attractive people and you have crushes on who's the cutest and who has the nicest body and who, you know, is the most appealing. And that makes sense. That's human nature. Um, But longevity wise, wouldn't you rather not be talking to a really pretty brick? You know what I mean? He kind of... um, he kind of, not gloats, but he jokes at the fact that, yes, we fill our minds with things that we probably don't need to know, and people focus on, people that focus on being beautiful rather than being educated or smart, they live a much simpler life, but it's not something that's, that, you know, speaks to longevity, you're not going to want to, or maybe you will, you know. Later on in the book, he touches on his thoughts of genius versus beauty a lot. But basically what I gather from what he's trying to say is that Dorian Gray was this beautiful creature. He was a youthful, beautiful, um, innocent. Um, it seems like Lord Henry wanted to preserve that, but he wanted to preserve it and still would um not invoke but he would try to um not intimidate what's the word that I'm looking for I guess he would try to goad him on into wanting to do something more and something scandalous and something that wasn't simply him just living in his beauty and like through that you know um he has a weird way of saying it, but that last part where he said, "You've told what you've told me is quite a romance, as in him being in love with the painting that he just did and with Dorian, a romance of art, one might call it. And the worst, the worst of having a romance of any kind is that it leaves one so unromantic. So I think that's what it means. So you fall in love with someone if you fall in love with someone for their like superficial beauty. Um, How long is that going to last? It could last a long time. It could, because maybe that's all that you're looking for. And you, um, you know, you're independent and self-sustained and having a conversation with a significant other. Um, It's not a priority for you. Like, you would rather them have... um, that's what you wanted it for like say you just you're like oh she's hot (laughs) I'd date her but what he's trying to say in in my eyes is so what if they're beautiful so freaking what I think this next one is one of my favorites and it's somewhat of a long one so bear with me but This one is in the next chapter, and 
Lord Henry is at something of a gathering and he's giving his thoughts and views on um, like how people realize themselves and just the human purpose in life. So he starts off saying, um, people are afraid of themselves nowadays. They have forgotten the highest of all duties, the duty that one owes to oneself. Of course, they are charitable. They feed the hungry and clothe the beggar, but their own souls starve and are naked. Courage has gone from our race. Perhaps we never really had it. And then um, somebody tries to refute him, but he keeps on going. And he says, I believe that if one man were to live out his life fully and completely, were to give form to every feeling, expression to every thought, reality to every dream, I believe that the world would gain such a fresh impulse of joy that we would forget all the maladies of medievalism and return to the Hellenic ideal, to something finer, richer than the Hellenic ideal it may be. But the bravest man amongst us is afraid of himself. Skip over some. We are punished for our refusals. Every impulse that we strive to strangle broods in the mind and poisons us. The body sins once and has done with its sin. For action is a mode of purification. Nothing remains but the recollection of a pleasure or the luxury of a regret. The only way to get rid of a temptation is to yield to it. Resist it and your soul grows sick with longing for the things it has forbidden to itself, with desire for what its monstrous laws have made monstrous and unlawful. It has been said that the great events of the world take place in the brain. It is in the brain, and the brain only, that the great sins of the world take place also. And he references towards Dorian. He said, you, Mr. Gray, you yourself, with your rose-red youth and your rose-white boyhood, you have had passions that have made you afraid, thoughts that have filled you with terror, daydreams and sleeping dreams, whose mere memory might stain your cheeks with shame. And that's pretty much it. And I was like, God dang. Okay, Lord Henry. So I remember my facial expression when I first read that. And can you read my facial expression in a sound? I was like, ah. I was like, okay. But then remember what I said in the beginning? I was like, okay. <sighs> Do I agree or disagree? I'm gonna like go through it piece by piece. So, people are afraid of themselves nowadays. They have forgotten the highest of all duties and the duty that one owes to oneself. I um. I wanted to curve that into like, the topic of, how, to be selfish with yourself and, when being selfish is necessary because I, um. I feel that. I agree with that part of the statement, that part of the quote, because, okay, I agree with it, but I don't think that there's anything wrong with devoting yourself to service and volunteering or anything that he's implying, but there is a time when you have to, in order to, well, one, be happy, 
and reach your goals and, you know, fulfill the things that you want, you have to put yourself before others because putting others before you can be exhausting. And that's not to say that it's, you know, it's not in a beautiful way because being selfless and not catering, but helping others, why else would we, what else would we want to do? Like you can't, it's impossible. That's a big statement for me to make. It's not impossible to be like, you know, um, just ignorant of other people that, you know, are in better places than I am at least. And it's been ingrained in me from the beginning that it's important to help people and to, you know, get people on the right track. And sometimes, especially when it's somebody that you care about, you can't be selfish with yourself anymore, especially if you're in love or if you have a partner, you always have to take into account how something that you do, something that you say will make them feel or how it affects their life. But it's taken me a good amount of years to, you know, progress and learn that there are some things that you have to I don't want to say sacrifice, but there are things that you deserve to be selfish about. Um, Whether it be your passions. You can have these things and not have to share them with somebody that you love. You can, you know, pursue um, the goals and like your your likings and your hobbies and things without having to um, have to consult other people even if it's your lover or your partner and I know I keep going into like the romantic route but even with friends I remember in this was my first experience with being kind of taken advantage of It was, I think it was one of my old friends in middle school and this is what happened. (laughs) I was, I was smart, was past tense and she would only like talk to me to ask me for my homework and because we were quote unquote friends, I would feel bad if I didn't help her out because, you know, she was on the cusp, getting like a bad grade, whatever a bad grade is for Asians, like a B plus, like a low B plus, like an 80, 85, like an 86.9. But yeah, so she kept asking me for my homework and then our friendship started to just be like, if I didn't give her what she wanted, then um, either I would feel bad or she would make me feel bad about it. Is that just bullying? But I overcame that and I learned that, well, she was being selfish with me, I guess. But then I had to kind of learn to like push it away. Like, no, this is my stuff. Please go away. 
I don't think that that relates that hard, but I wrote down when being selfish is necessary. You have to have like your own thing that you can fulfill. If I keep saying I'm in like so many more times, I'm going to throw myself out of this one story window. It wouldn't hurt, but it would just be super inconvenient. But yeah, I, I'm going to slap and agree on that first part. Um, there are some parts in here that I disagree with. Um, what he was saying about if one man were to live out his life fully and completely, were to give form to every feeling, I believe that the world would gain such a fresh impulse of joy that we would forget all of kind of society ideas. And no, I disagree with that. I think that... <laughs> You, we've ha- we've got to have a little bit of control on our impulses. You can't just go around taking what you want, saying what you want. But remember how I'm trying to see both sides. I guess you, you could, and I just don't think that that is a suitable. I don't think that our society is a suitable. Um, environment for that kind of person it can be argued I don't know what do you guys think do you think that our culture and our society right now is more open to being open and I don't think it is you will get railed on for any little thing you say everybody has to watch what they say everybody has to be afraid of their own opinions which I guess this is kind of Oscar Wilde talking about that in a way like he doesn't like how we have to be so contained so part of me agrees with that and part of me doesn't he he said every impulse that we strive to strangle broods in the mind the body sins once and has done with its sin for action is a mode of purification now that that's interesting to me that's a good quote um but the way that i took that especially with the the next sentence let me read that nothing remains then but the recollection of a pleasure or the luxury of a regret and the part that i'll slap an a on a for agree is just the idea of experience you know I don't want to directly tie it to sin. It doesn't have to be a sin. He he just really likes to focus on like being naughty, Lord Henry. He's a he's a naughty guy in this book. And I agree with the fact that in terms of action like you won't know how something feels unless you try it and being open to that and he says I like how he says the recollection of a pleasure like hey that was fun okay in this context it's making me sound like ooh, yay to sin is fun but that's not what I mean I mean you should have the courage like he's saying you should have the courage to kind of say yes and go for it go for it um recollection of pleasure or the luxury of a regret and I think what he means by that is the luxury that you learn from that or 
you know you never want to do that again. And that's that's logical to me. The way that he phrases it makes it seem like, oh, go... I don't know. I don't want to say something weird. Um, and then he says, the only way to get rid of a temptation is to yield to it. That... <laughs> Resist it and your soul grows sick with longing for the things that has forbidden to itself. Um and I don't I don't agree with that. I'm gonna slap a D on that. <laughs> and then it says it is in the brain and the brain only that the great sins of the world take place also. I think that that's extremely true. Um in a in a smaller scale sense i think that we make up our um our failures and our insecurities and stuff they do they brood in our our minds first and we can slap a label on what we think is wrong and what we shouldn't do and why we shouldn't do it and the thing that's stopping me and the reason why you aren't going to go through with something and all of that is going on before you even have made a move to even try. So that was a big A slash D slash A slash D quote. He's a he's a pretty uh, outspoken guy. And then later on in the book or after this uh, monologue that he does, Dorian Gray is kind of like, He's like, stop it, please. You're scaring me. I I have to answer you, but I don't know what to say. And I think he put us, he put um, the people in the room, like, in their place. He knew how to leave everybody in the room ajar, to say the least. Ajar, I really like that word, ajar. It's just a single jar. If I technically wanted to be correct, I should have said left their mouths ajar but you know me just defying all the rules these days guys I know I talk about my feigned intellect a lot and I'm completely aware there is complete transparency here this episode is a total mess but you know I decided to cut down on my editing I'm not breaking things up and splitting and pitting and trimming everything. I'm not going to because I need to listen back and kind of get back on my my road and try to improve. So if you're this far along, then I applaud you. <laughs> Give me an applause. Let's applaud each other. And I wanted to like kind of combine because so that was like, what was that? two quotes already these last three have to do a lot with um romance and women and these were like my high key (laughs) I was about to say favorite triggers but I I don't want to say that because it wasn't like in a good way I was just like excuse me (sighs) yeah so this will be kind of my last chunk and it starts right after, I want to say it's still chapter two. So 
I've got about like three quotes where he's talking about romance and how women see it and how love is kind of a fallacy (laughs) and um one of the first ones he talks about is about how women desire like how women perceive like being in love forever and these are pretty much just like sharp triggers on like how women want something that's unrealistic and why do they have to screw everything up so he goes always always that is a dreadful word women are so fond of using it they spoil every romance by trying to make it last forever and then in the following few pages he says never marry at all dorian Men marry because they are tired. Women, because they are curious. Both are disappointed. I was like, God dang! Why is... And it's funny because Lord Henry is married. and But he's very vocal about, like, it's an unhappy marriage. And it's pretty much just for convenience. And his wife is well aware that not only does he have affairs, but that he it's like he decides to stay because like ah f it i'll just stick around i've got a lady at home she does like what i need her to do and that's all i need um but to the first quote always that is a dreadful word women are so fond of using it they spoil every romance by trying to make it last forever I'm going to disagree with that. I disagree. Okay, I agree with the fact that... I'm not going to generalize, but... Of course we want a, a love that will last. Please tell me if you go into a relationship and you're like, oh, I hope this lasts for maybe like max six months. Like you always want to feel that feeling of love with your significant other. And regardless of if, you know, the sparks or the heat or, you know, that honeymoon feeling like dwindles as, you know, it fades. But the consistency of, you know, the feeling that, like, you have each other, and you love each other, and you care, that doesn't go away, and that's, that's an always thing for me. Um, I found it really offensive that he said they spoil every romance. It's, like, right at the mention of, like, wanting to be together forever, or, you know, when you're, like, deep in a moment, and you're, like, I will love you forever. <laughs> Does anyone do that? I I don't even do I don't even do that. That sounded weird, but like I could just imagine him like visually. He, Lord Henry wasn't in. He wasn't in Penny Dreadful, so I, I'm just imagining this like uppity, hipsterish like old guy defy like trying to defy the odds, and. He's just, like, cringing at the fact of women wanting something to last. 
And it's kind of it's kind of hypocritical because he's staying in this marriage that like he doesn't want to get out of. Um but you know, he's already like fed up with it, but he's just staying out of convenience. Do you do you think that he's trying to say like you can only be like romantic for so long and it's like silly for women to try to like keep igniting that and all of that stuff I don't I don't think so I think he's just being crude um somewhere else in the novel let me see he goes on to say a few other things about that I didn't write down the entire quote but Yeah, he's just, he's just a, he's just a kind of a crude guy. And then so he, they, they touch on love a lot because at this point, um, later on in chapter five or six, Dorian meets this girl, she's a performer and he falls in love with her and he wants to spend the rest of his life with her and it's, oh man, yeah, there was much more, there was much more to this quote than... I uh I wrote down. So never marry at all, Dorian. Men marry because they are tired. Women because they are curious. Both are disappointed. I <laughs> I disagree. I do think that we are in a special time now where marriage is you know, valued less and less over time and call it a bad or like a good or a bad thing like I'm um I grew up Catholic and marriage is an extremely important um you know aspect of that religious or that religion and um I just think in our generation people are you know still being devoted to each other and like have these long-term relationships but don't want to get married which I'm not saying that that's flawed I'm just saying that um people like my age have come to the realization that you don't have to like sign something on paper to want to spend the rest of your life with someone and that you don't have to pledge under your higher power that you love this person and you will stick with this person and um just a you know trashing all the formalities and that's become a commonplace thing and that's just the reality of it Uh, but met mary because they are tired (laughs) do you think so i want you guys to tweet me at janine btl do you think men marry because they're like ah i'll i guess i'll be with you it's a big like settling connotation and I think Oscar Wilde knows that he's saying that. And can you imagine in this era where it's like you're either you either marry somebody or you're not with them? Like So I can see why these are like triggering thoughts for like their culture. And he said women because they are curious. That piqued my interest. Women marry because they're curious. Like, oh, I wonder I wonder if I wonder if uh we could 
have forever and always like sometimes I feel like women I kind of halfway agree with that because if you think about divorce this is going to go so off topic I'm already like I'm trying to like put together my like uh my nerve endings and how I want this to relate but like you marry someone and then you're going in this is how I see it unless you've been in a relationship for like a super long time and you've already lived together and have seen each other at your worst and at home and everything that's not the case I don't think this is that was the case in like the 17-1800s so in a sense I feel like that might have been right during his era like women probably were like oh I wonder if this could work out like I actually really like him let's see I like in the most innocent way possible so that's like a lowercase a I slap a lowercase a on that because you never know at at that point at least because you weren't living with your significant other before marriage unless you were a rebel um and then he says both are disappointed men marry because they're tired women because they're curious both are disappointed both end up disappointed that's crazy I mean I guess if you look at statistics I guess you could say some almost 50% of people are disappointed in their marriage because it leads to divorce how's that statistic doing by the way I hope it's improving but can you imagine like the population size is going to keep getting lower and lower because people are deciding not to marry I don't mean to sound like incredulous at that I hope I don't because part of me agrees with the fact that you um some people don't need to have a license and say that they're married to be happily to spend their lives together with someone and live happily and live as if I mean and be lifelong partners lifetime partners so I disagree with the with the quote as a whole like men and women don't just end up disappointed because they get married like romantically and he shouldn't be like never marry at all Dorian he's like 16 years old just stop let him have his first love let him feel the rush of it he's just kind of a corrupt individual and it's entertaining but also I can imagine like this weird creepy guy who's Loki also obsessed with Dorian Gray, like, please, like, never marry at all, Dorian. Don't do it. You'll just end up disappointed. Now, the next quote, um, if I, I can't wait till I don't sound super nasally. I've been back and forth with a cold. Um, but, like, the following page is really interesting, too. And he says this. He said, he's talking to Dorian again. They're still at this, what do they call it? They call it a salon when they have these little gatherings. Um, he said, my dear boy, people who love only once in their lives are really the shallow people. What they call their loyalty, their fidelity, I call either lethargy of custom or their lack of imagination. 
Faithfulness is to the emotional life what consistency is to the life of the intellect, simply a confession of failure. And then he says, the passion for property is in it. There are many things that we would throw away if we were not afraid that others might pick it up. And then just to chunk this one in there, he says, romance lives by repetition and repetition converts an appetite into art. That was another god dang. Should I just title this god dang C-O-T? D-A-E-N-G. I've had a conversation about this with one of my very good friends, and it's, I think it is a privilege and a blessing to have been able to love more than once in your life. And you become who you are because of the loves and losses that you experience and it helps you to be again with the self-awareness like you're more comfortable with yourself you understand what you want in a relationship and a romantic partner and you know it's great memories once you're you know you're past the hump of you know, being a little depressed and longing and wishing you had someone and that weird phase where you're in between and all that. Like, when I look back on past, you know, relationships and stuff, we've had some good times. It's been a balance, good times and bad times, but the memories and the learning experiences, like he says, it's, I think it's worth it. And what I don't think, what I do disagree with is people what he says about people who only love once are the are really the shallow people. I don't think that makes somebody shallow. He's just being mean. <laughs> like you're not shallow because you want to love a single person and want to pour that into one single person. And then he says Faithfulness is to the emotional life what consistency is to the life of the intellect. Simply a confession of failure. No. <laughs> no. I guess that the reason why I chunked that in with the bottom one, romance lives by repetition. Repetition converts an appetite into an art. Like... Okay, Janine, see both sides. You, um, you're not a failure for being consistent and being faithful to your partner. Am I wrong? Somebody tweet me, tell me if you see it differently. I, I would, the only thing, like, I feel like my takeaway from this is very, um, surface level. And it's hard for me to, like, um see like be understanding of his his position on this it's like he's saying like you've failed if you decide to like not explore once you've found the person like 
that single person that you love. That's what I'm getting from it, and I disagree with that. But then, I completely agree (laughs) with the next one. He says, the passion for property is in it. There are many things that we would throw away if we were not afraid that others might pick it up. I was like, hmm, that's, that one's controversial. Um, it's, it's instinctual to want to own somebody. And I guess somebody you love, like you want to be the one and only for someone and you want that someone to feel the same way about you um but I've had uh experiences where no people aren't things people aren't objects you can't own them you have to you know give them a little room (laughs) what does that say about me I'm not sure. You guys tell me. But there are many things that we would throw away if we were not afraid that others might pick it up. Like, when I think of that, I think of when you and and your partner know that this isn't working out. Like, you're in that... You ever get in that phase of where you, you know that you're unhappy? You know that like you guys like it's not compatible you've been together for some time and you've been thinking about separating but um there are things that hold you back like the thought say you've been together for a while the thought of being single again and having to like keep looking the thought of um you know having to deal with a lot of actual properties like giving stuff away the thought of um you know being self-conscious of what other people are going to think of you guys and then again the thought that like you've spent so much time and energy into this person and it's kind of going back to that selfish feeling of what if you you do not like the idea of somebody else like picking up where you left off or the fact that they could eventually do you know have another relationship with somebody else so you don't want to throw that away due to all those reasons um and it's crazy because you do when you at least in my experience you like give a piece of each other to each other (laughs) when you enter into a relationship and it's it is scary thinking that like there are other people in the world that will experience the same things that you did with that person and then you go all like whiny like no that's mine (laughs) I I did it first I had it first this like, you put your name on it. You branded that person. Sorry, that's weird. But, like, I think that um, love and what he said, like, the passion for property, like, belonging, I, I feel that. I think that he's, okay, Oscar, I'll, I'll give that one to you. 
Just for now, though. The only props that you'll ever receive so far. Tell me how the audio quality is, guys. I'm in my room. It's a beautiful day. And, you know, I've had something of a past... These, like, these quotes right here and my uh, past two or three months are, like, just paint a picture of me face palming myself. <laughs> but I enjoyed reading it and it's nice it um reading his, you know, opinions and things kind of uh helps me to reflect on what I need to decide on different things in my life and things of that nature. Take a shot every time if you listen to all of my episodes, take a shot every time I say things of that nature brief um like you know you know you know all right everyone that was um those were a quick few quotes some agree disagree little excerpts that i want to share i have a few others um most of them were just quotes that i liked so that nothing that would stir up a lot of conversation so I'm gonna start recording again more often while I'm reading the book rather than I know I I did this with Little Women and I saved everything until the end but I much prefer being able to react in real time the way that I did with We the Animals but I definitely got off track and I don't feel that I did Justin Torres justice. It was a great, it was a great novel. I didn't get to read the book because I don't have, or I didn't get to watch the movie or record on the last part because I don't want to sound unintelligent or I don't want to, you know, put out something that didn't honor him. I thought the two episodes that I did with him were good enough for me to publish and honorable in my opinion. So the next book that I'm definitely going to be reading. So this one was a classic. I've been in a spooky mood lately. I know we're much, much past Halloween, but winter in general makes me want to read scary, suspenseful novels. So I'm going even deeper back into my roots and I'm reading a book that I got, I was gifted for my birthday that's been sitting there at Salem's Lot by Stephen King, one of my favorite freaking authors. Yeah, I know. It's a typical favorite. But, like, in 2016, I made it a point to try to read every single Stephen King book that I could find. And I would go to the thrift store, and I would buy all of those um, paperback books, like, 45 cents each, and it would be, like, five Stephen King books at a time. It's a big goal to have, but I haven't really uh, put that one down to rest. So Stephen King's Salem's Lot is next. It's coming up next for the next book that I'm reading. Who knows? I might have around and record a spooky sounding guitar intro. You never know with me. So I might be doing an OTT with a few friends that I've made here depending on how it's looking. I was asked to do um, an episode about, I don't, I don't know how many of you would be interested, but it would pretty much be about like my moving experience and how 
my um, first few months as a in a nursing residency program has been going and how I've been coping and what's my experience been and all that so whether it's with guests or not an OTT about life updates and funny stuff and things that I've been wanting to talk about is coming up too so I just want to thank you guys so much for listening um stay tuned for October 13th (laughs) just kidding October 15th of next year no it's just we had to put a few things on the back burner uh, my pro, my prod team, my my sweet production besties are grinding their butts off back in Florida. Um, sometimes you just gotta take a back seat, let life do what it do, and we're gonna get everything on track once um, you know we're all settled and we can devote our I was about to say our ultimate energy. <gasps> like 100% of our efforts towards something that's going to be awesome. So apologies for anybody that I hyped up. You know, if you know me in real life, I'm a big old hype woman. I say things. I'm like, yeah, I can beat you at this. But then I like, uh, I pretend that I'm injured because I was all talk in the beginning. (laughs) But this isn't going to be all talk. It's not going to be all talk. It's coming again. Thank you so much for listening favorite this podcast on anchor follow it on spotify um we're still getting apple music settled my fault that was a back burner for a while too but anyways if you love it share it tweet me i love you all and i'll see you in the next episode bye